When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is SENZ. It is Phoenix Nation. Thanks to Oppo with Ricardo Ball. Coming up on the show, we are going to hear from Wellington Phoenix captain Alex Rufa. Looks very much like he could be part of the match day squad against Western Sydney Wanderers this weekend after recovering from that ACL injury. He has had a couple of hitouts with the reserves. He had, I think, 30 minutes in their last game of the season in midfield. So hopefully uh, Alex Rufa, the captain, can be involved in some capacity against Western Sydney Wanderers this weekend over in Wollongong. On that, we're also going to talk to Chloe Knott, midfielder for the Wellington Phoenix women's team. They've got a big road trip this weekend. They're away against Canberra in the Australian capital and coming up against a former Phoenix player in Grace Jarlow, who now leads the line for Canberra. And we're going to kick things off with a new member of staff, not for the club, but for the first team, because Jonathan Gould unfortunately had to leave uh, the country and leave the job, leave the club, because he needed to go back to the UK for family reasons, and that meant that uh, Reuben Parker has been elevated as the new goalkeeping coach for the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, G'day, Reuben, how are you doing? Hey, mate, good. Yeah, good to be on the show, and yeah, thanks for having me on. No, no, my pleasure, mate, my pleasure. Congratulations on the new gig. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, it's uh, it's been up in the air for about a month or so, so it's good to, to have clarity on that and be able to to move forward with this. Exciting. Yeah, I, I mean, moving forward is something that you've pretty much just done your whole career. I mean, I look at uh, the things you've achieved. You fast tracked yourself. I mean, you're still only quite young. What are you? Twenty five. 27. 27. 27. 27 I know now. I look 25. But... Yeah. <laughs> You'll take it, mate. You'll take it. Put that yeah. on the modelling CV, pass for 25. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you know, you, you're you now the, the head goalkeeping coach at a professional outfit like the Phoenix in the A-League at, at such a young age. I mean, uh, did you see yourself here at this point in time? Um, look, to be honest, I I got offered to come down and, and take the academy um, as the head goalkeeping coach of the academy. Uh, around this time last year, I moved down in January, uh, and I didn't tell anyone this at the time. But in in my head, I, I gave myself two years, and I, my aim was to to step into this role. Um, things happened um, pretty quickly with with getting the opportunity to step in, um, and and as soon as that came up, I thought, you know, I'm ready and I want to step up and I want to give it a shot. So um, it happened probably quicker than I I gave myself. Um, well, uh, quicker than I initially thought, but uh, I'm I'm happy it happens sooner, and I'm happy to be in the job now. Yeah, I mean the the other thing people will say he's 27, he's already a, a coach who's as qualified as he is. At what point in, in your in your playing career? Because you were at Auckland City and that set up, you were a, an age yeah. group representative under 20s for New Zealand. At what point mm-hmm. did you go? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the coaching rather than the playing. Um, it, it was a slow transition. It wasn't. It wasn't one day. I I thought, you know what, I'm going to crack on with the coaching. Um, when I was playing for Napier City Rovers and Hawks Bay, I must have been 18 or 19. Uh, I needed. I was studying as well down in, in Hawks Bay, 
and I needed a bit of extra money. Um, so I started doing private sessions, um, one-on-ones, small groups. And it was basically out of necessity for to pay my rent, et cetera. <laughs> um, but I fell in love with it. I loved it. And then I realized there's more of a demand for it. Um, I scaled it up into a business uh, that's still running one-stop goalkeeping. Um, and, and I've been full-time with that uh, probably since I started two years later. I started full-time um, and haven't looked back. Uh, once I realized it's something that I'm, I'm good at, I enjoy, um, there's plenty of opportunities um, and it links into already what I was doing playing-wise. Um, it kind of gradually started to overtake probably my ambitions as a player. Um, and probably two years ago was where I went. Uh, I'm, I'm 20, 24, 25 at the time. As a professional career, as a goalkeeper, likely maybe not at that stage. You, you've got to come to, to that realisa- realisation at some stage. Um, and there was lots of opportunities presenting themselves as a goalkeeper coach. Obviously, people were happy with the work I was doing. Um, one of those being the New Zealand Under-17s goalkeeper coach role that came up and I put my name in the hat um, and got chosen. Uh, the the Future Ferns domestic programme that was based in Auckland, where I was based at the time, um, that came up and, and they, they approached me about that role as well. And I saw these opportunities and um, I was loving the work, which is it's obviously important as well. Um, and that's when my mindset started to, to shift to this is, this is a career I, I really want to put my head down and work hard at. Um, and I want to take as many opportunities as I can when they come. you got a couple of very good keepers to work with and, and Ollie Sale and Alex Paulson. Um, mm-hmm. I, to be honest... Didn't think we would have Ollie Sale in Phoenix Colours this year after the season he had out last year. I thought he'd find somewhere yeah. offshore. How how long do you do you reckon we do have him? Uh, it's it's a, a tricky question. Um, maybe possibly slightly loaded uh, at at the moment. All I've got uh, clear in my head is that he's here for this season, um, and I want to make sure that he can back up the season he had last year with with another really good season, um, and then whatever happens after the season and, and the off season, uh, time will tell. But for now, he's here. He's a Phoenix player. He's, he's been captaining the side. Um, and, and my priority and his priority is to do the best job that we can for, for the Phoenix. Yeah. When you look at a goalkeeper, I mean, you see things that, you know, the, the average football fan doesn't see. Uh, what, are, what are the things particular that you look at in terms of, I guess, um, flags for you that go, okay, that's something that needs working on or that's something he does well? Yeah, good question. Um, and and to be fair, in the different environment environments that I've been in, and especially uh, with the with the academy, but some of those things are the same. But you, you're looking at different stages of development. Um, with the younger ones in the academy, we're looking. One of the biggest things that I look for is bravery as a goalkeeper. Do they love it? Do they do they take pride in keeping clean sheets and stopping the ball, ball from going in in the goal? And are they willing to put their body on the line? Once you've got that. You can work at the technique. You can work at speeding them up. You can look at um, building their power and their strength um, and their tactical um, understanding of the game. When you come into a, a, a more sta- working with a more established goalkeeper like Ollie, um, AP's breaking into into that uh, phase of development as well. Um, you're now looking at the finer details: how you're moving your feet, where exactly you position yourself, how you're reading the body shape of the player really tapping into the tactical um, side of the game as well. So so building a good um, relationship with the head coach, uh, Ufi and, and Chiefy, the assistant coach, so that the goalkeeper is given the best chance to 
to perform within that structure as well. Um, so there's a bit a bit more linking in with with the overall structure of the team as well. You had your first nine years uh, on the planet in Spain. Um, you talk about footwork there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you talk about footwork there. I mean, uh, have you lined up some salsa lessons for, for for Alex and Ollie to help help them with that? You know, if you look at some of our sessions, you might, you might think that that's what we're doing. Um, no, not quite. I think I'd have to become a master myself or at least give it a crack before I start passing that on. So um, that might be something to to look at for the off-season. <laughs> Maybe. But ser- seriously, on a, on a footwork yeah. uh, point of view and, and playing yeah. uh, with the ball at your feet more, it is now the modern goalkeeper, right? We saw, you know, a guy like Joe Hart was the quintessential goalkeeper at the top level. Mm. Pep Guardiola gets to City and goes, "You shit with your feet. We need we need someone else." And now the modern goalkeeper has changed. They need to be able to play with the ball at their feet. How much, you know, uh, how much work goes into that now on a goalkeeper? You know, sort of versus the traditional goalkeeping skill set. Yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at the percentages, I, I'm not going to try and um, pick the the percentage, but I I believe it's in the 90s. 90 percent of the the actions done by a goalkeeper these days are with the ball at their feet. Um, certain structures and, and certain um, teams are relying heavily on that goalkeeper to provide the overload. Uh, we don't as much, um, but still, the goalkeeper needs to be reliable when they receive the ball. Needs to be an outlet. Um, needs to provide an o- overload at certain times, um, and that's the because of the pace of the game now. That sort of, that sort of stuff needs to be done quickly, um, and, and for that to be done quickly, obviously they need to be technically sound with. With their approach, their positioning, and and even looking at things like scanning and knowing where they want to play before they receive the ball. Um, so those are all things that week to week we incorporate into the sessions, um, both when the goalkeepers are with me and also when they go into the tactical um, work with the team. So really important, and there's definitely been a big shift. And I think as I came into coaching, um, that shift was was really obvious, and it's something that I've spent a lot of time trying to. Um, learn about and, and figure out ways to develop that as well just with the younger ones and now obviously with, with more established goalkeepers as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting way that it's developed. I, I remember 20 years ago playing, you know, over 30s at Metro and uh, we, we'd have mm-hmm. our, our practice games and you had rush goalkeepers. It seems like we were we were ahead of the curve. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Um, there's a, a lot of goalkeepers have been born out of, out of being rush goalkeepers, so... <laughs> Um, you might have missed your calling there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Probably not, though. Uh, let, let's be honest. Uh, what about you, Ruben? What about what about your missed calling? Because I know I was reading that you did start out, out in the outfield. How did you end up in goal? Yeah, uh, yeah you really have done your research. Yeah, good. Um, so it, it was one of those stories where the goal, I was playing for Waikato Bay Plenty under 15s, I think, at the time. So I was, I was 14 or so. Um, the reserve... No, sorry, the, the starting goalkeeper got injured um, in the middle of the game and I jumped in because I, I love throwing myself around. And probably looking back, I showed some of those attributes that I, I now look and um, look out for with the younger goalkeepers. So I was brave. I love making a save. I love jumping around and, and that sort of thing. Um, I ended up having a really good half against, uh, I think it was US1 back in the day, the, the Auckland um, uh, representative team. And... I actually loved it, and then the goalkeeper happened to be out for a few more weeks. So, and that led us into the national tournament, um, where they said we're we're out of a goalkeeper. You've done a good job. Do you want to play in the tournament? And I did, 
And then there was a New Zealand, uh, I forget who it was, but there was a coach that was involved with the New Zealand under 17 set up at the time. And he approached me and said, you keep doing what you're doing and you'll be in a New Zealand team soon. And I thought, <laughs> as a left winger, no one's ever said that to me. So, <laughs> so maybe, I'm, maybe I'd, um, I need to rethink this. And, and I actually stuck with it. And um, I think because of that transition to goalkeepers having to use their feet a lot more as well and, and teams relying on that, I had that natural base of um, a first touch and some people might argue that, but uh, first touch and, and half decent distribution and playing out and um, and then the rest I had to work hard to, to learn the technical side. But um, I think that's also contributed to me being a good coach now as well. Yeah, you would have been like, how easy is this goalkeeping lark? I just throw myself around a bit now. All of a sudden I'm in line for a New Zealand call-up. How good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, happened. it was always like that, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> too good mate too good uh what so what's the the integration been like for you into this role i mean obviously you know you've been at the academy and and we know that jonathan gould had to leave and as i joked about at the start chris greenacre sort of assumed the role for a couple of a couple of matches yeah. but so how's that integration been for you uh it's it's been good um it's uh, i was gonna say easy but it's not been easy um especially while i was i was balancing both jobs both roles um, after Gordie left. Uh, but what's been really good, and I mentioned this about Gordie and Goffey, is that um, they both brought me in at certain times when they were the head coach. Um, they obviously uh, were involved in the process of me um, coming down and working with the academy, and they really they spent the time and actually invested some time into um, exposing me to the first-team environment as well. Um, so I do thank them for that. And so I, I'd already started to build some relationships with, with Ufi and Chiefy and, and the other staff um, and the goalkeepers um, from from delivering sessions or um, supporting them delivering sessions. So that made it easier. Um, the other thing that helped was that, uh, so Green Chris, uh, Greenacre, he mirrors the first team environment as closely as he can with the reserves, um, which is the group that I was working most closely with in the academy. Um, so it made that side of the transition easier where I, I knew what was expected in terms of um, the structure, the philosophies, the training times and how, how we operate in the environment, um, which gave me a really good chance to actually go out and just focus on, on the job that I have to do um, and getting to know the goalkeepers in this environment better um, and then making the little adjustments uh, for the phase of development or where they're at in their careers compared to the goalkeepers I was working with before. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you, you talk about Jonathan Gould and uh, Paul Gothard, but, I mean, outside of those two guys, who's been the biggest influence on you as a goalkeeper and then as a goalkeeping coach? Oof, good question. Um, outside of those, so those two have been – so I actually had uh, Paul Gothard as my coach when I was involved with the under-20s. Um extended squad I didn't make the World Cup squad and Ollie did and we were part of the same cycle which is it's funny how the world comes around um, but uh, outside of that I remember being at Auckland City uh, as a number two to announce Zubi Karai mm. uh, who obviously spent time in La Liga played Champions League football um, was a, was a, is he stopped playing now but he was a very very good goalkeeper in his day um, he, he was a big one for me as a player um, but also because I was coaching at the time, a lot of the, the things we would talk about and he would spend time with me on were things that I could take on as a goalkeeper, but also pass on to the people I was coaching. Um, and a lot of it was mentality stuff as well, um, because he's played in front of, you know, 
big crowds and against top, the top teams in the world and how he's how he prepares for those games mentally and and how he overcomes setbacks within the game um to continue performing so um he'd be another one yeah all sure. right oh sorry I, I can't i can't forget to mention as well um james Bannatine, who um does work in the goalkeeping space through ofc mm-hmm. uh and and he's been a big enabler for me to to get into these opportunities and support me through them as well I've heard James Bannatine and Enabler mentioned before in a sentence, but it wasn't to do with goalkeeping. I'll tell you that much for free. Okay. Um, but Bannatine's okay. a good man. He is a good man. He um, yeah, uh, yeah, very good man. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, it's it's uh, Wollongong. It's a home game. I know it's weird. A home game in Wollongong to pay back, you know, the people in Wollongong who came out and became part of the Phoenix Army when you were based in Australia. Got West Sydney Wanderers. Is this your first away gig? It is the, the first away game. Um the last before the break, that was the first time I'd been on the bench. The one before that, where Greeny stepped in, um, I was meant to, but I got COVID that week, which didn't work out very well for, for anyone <laughs> apart from Greeny. <laughs> he apparently did a very good job. Um, and Ollie had a very good game that game, so um, he, he did something right. Um, but yeah, this will be the first away trip. Um, so, so gearing into that, we're, we've just had our minus three session, um, and we'll travel on the minus one. So, so looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be good, mate. And, and before I let you go, Ruben, I mean, we often talk yeah. the World Cup with people that we get on, uh, regardless of, of what the interview's about, because when the World Cup's on, everybody's got their eyes on it. But maybe you're mm-hmm. more qualified than most to, to give us this, because there's a lot of talk about golden boot and golden ball. But what about golden glove? Who's been the keeper that's impressed you most at the World Cup? Um, there's there's a few, and, and for different reasons. But I, I think you can't look past um, Pickford. Uh, there's the and Allison. Those are the two. Uh, there's other ones. Chesney's had some great performances. Um, the thing with with those goalkeepers that stands out to me is that for large periods of the game, at times they're not uh, really involved. Um, and a good example was Allison yesterday, and it must have been in the 30th minute. Or so he he plucks one out the top corner. Um, I think that's a a mentality thing to to be focused and and rely on on your muscle memory and your, your positioning and your skill set to, to be engaged in the game when you're not super involved um, and and to be able to do something like that. He went on to make another two or three saves, but again, dotted out throughout the game. It wasn't like a, a phase of um, of soaking up the pressure. It was just at times where they broke through and they had a decent effort on target. He's made a few good saves. So I think Allison for me, and, and he's one of the goalkeepers that I look at uh, quite a lot, um, and I think probably I'll give you a, a better answer once once the tournament's over because I think there's still some big performances to come. Yeah, was uh, was it Livkovic, the the Croatian keeper against Japan, and yeah. and, and yeah. Bono the today as well? Yes, yeah, the penalty shootouts obviously come into play there as well. Um, I think I, I don't think penalty shootouts are, are purely a lottery, a lottery for goalkeepers because they do their homework and they and they look at that and they they practice their approach. Um, but I'm I'm usually more interested in, in the performance in the game rather than the, the penalties. The penalties are exciting, don't get me wrong, but when I'm looking at uh, how goalkeepers play, it's more in the game. It hurts me to say this, but probably my favourite penalty shootout moment of recent times has been Andrew Redmayne throwing the Peruvian keeper's notes written on his bottle into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I, mate, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's very good. And <laughs> I saw some Peruvian fans 
um, over Halloween. They they dressed up as Andrew Redman, <laughs> so he's he's obviously haunted um, the Peruvians by doing that. But it's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Now I mentioned at the start that you've done a lot in your life, and this is this is the last question for you, Ruben. Because I know you've got things to do, mm-hmm. but uh, one of those things is you've got a degree in wine. Um, I know a lot of people that <laughs> yeah. probably should have a degree in wine, uh, but don't yeah. have the piece of paper. Um, <laughs> what are you doing with that now? And if I'm up early to watch a World Cup game, what pairs nicely with Weetbix? <laughs> with Weetbix. All right. Um, not a question I expected, but one I'll, I'll do my best to answer. So, um, yeah, so that's why I was in Hawke's Bay and, and that eventually uh, yeah, led to me signing for the Rovers Rovers and, and Hawke's Bay United. Um, I did a three-year degree in oenology, which is um, wine science. Uh, I worked in the wine industry for, for a short while, uh, a year, just over a year with Church Road. It was around the same time I was coaching and eventually coaching took over um, and playing as well. Um, but yeah, to the Wheatbix question, I think um, you're tired at this stage. You want, want something sharp to wake you up, don't you? So probably a, a, a nice Marlborough Sav, I think. Um, we'll have the right acidity to match the Wheatbix and it'll it'll for sure wake you up, I think. Um, but it'll, it'll be a long day after that, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, to, para- to paraphrase, you know, wine, it's not just for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good stuff, yeah, Ruben. Yeah. Thanks for being a great sport, mate. It's been a great chat. I've yeah. really enjoyed it. Best yeah. of luck on your first trip away with the Phoenix and congrats again on the new gig. Thank you, Ricardo. This is SENZ. It is Phoenix Nation with Ricardo Ball. Thanks to Oppo, and uh, we will have another Phoenix Oppo fan challenge for you next week. Uh, Coming up to news and sport, uh, just looking at the odds because the men's A-League is back after the World Cup break, and it starts tomorrow night with the Brisbane Roar at home against Adelaide United. Now, Brisbane are paying 240, Adelaide 263, the draw 350. Two teams reasonably evenly matched, but I think if Craig Goodwin is back for Adelaide United, then you have to give them the edge. I think they've looked the better of the two teams, uh, but it's a great way to kick back into the A-League men's season with that game on Friday night. Then on Saturday, uh, 7 o'clock, the Phoenix kick off against West Sydney Wanderers. This is a home game, but it is in Wollongong. It was where the Phoenix were based uh, a lot of the time when they were over in Australia. They have a bit of a fan base there. They've said they'd take a game back for those fans, and this is that game. And the Phoenix are paying 263, Western Sydney 230, and the draw is $3.50. I tell you, I do like the Phoenix in this one because the Phoenix have won seven of their last 11 against West Sydney Wanderers, including the last two on the bounce last time out, which was towards the end of last season. They won 2-1. And in terms of Wynn Stadium and Wollongong, they've got a great record there as well. They've won five of their last six games there at Wynn Stadium, uh, including games against West Sydney Wanderers. So I like the Phoenix 263. They are paying later on on Saturday night uh, another big blue of sorts with Sydney FC against Melbourne City. Melbourne City, $2.30 are the... Uh, favourites for this one, even though it is in Sydney, who are paying two seventy five. The draw is three dollars forty, and really, you you've got to like, particularly if Melbourne get all their Socceroos back, you got to like that Melbourne City team because that front line uh, has just come back from a World Cup and they've been in some pretty good form as well. On Sunday, Perth Glory host Western United. That is just after midnight New Zealand time. Perth two seventy. 
uh, Western United two twenty five to draw three fifty. You'd be you'd be hard pressed to back Perth at the moment. They've had a dog of a season. They haven't been travelling well. You'd have to think that Western United should get the chocolates there. Then you've got the big M3 derby, uh, the Central Coast Mariners at home to the Newcastle Jets. The Mariners have been going great guns. They're paying a dollar eighty. They are big favourites at home. The draw at three sixty. The Jets at three seventy five. And the last game of the round is Sunday night at seven o'clock. Macarthur FC at home to Melbourne Victory. Macarthur have goals in them, but they concede goals as well. The Victory at a dollar ninety one look pretty good value, even though they are on the road. The draw at three fifty and Macarthur at three dollars sixty. Time for the latest in news and sport now. After that, we catch up with Chloe Knott from the Wellington Phoenix women's team. This is Phoenix Nation with Ricardo Ball. Thanks to Oppo. Uh, thanks to Johnny Mack for the latest in news and sport as well. When we come back, we talk to Chloe Knott from the Wellington Phoenix Liberty A-League team. This is SENZ. It is Phoenix Nation. Thanks to Oppo. We just talk Phoenix for a whole hour and one of the standout players, I think, over the season and a bit we've had so far for the Wellington Phoenix women's team is Chloe Not Glad to welcome her onto the show. Chloe, thanks for giving us some time. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. How are you finding this season compared to last season? Um, I think this season, obviously, we have more experienced players in the team, which has been great for us. And I think just being home and like having more experience ourselves in the from the first group has really just settled things down and made us feel like we can build on what we did last year, which has been great. I mean, obviously travel is a factor, but just the fact that Australian teams have to come here and play in front of our crowds has helped you as well? Yeah, 100%. Like just having, knowing that we'll show up to a game and we'll have fans there and it'll be the majority will be our fans compared to last season where we'd have like that tiny corner of yellow shirts. It's just been really, really cool to know that we have that backing. This weekend, I suppose, is a little bit different. You're going to Canberra. It must be a nice change of not playing a team from Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, I know all the Melbourne teams. Nah. Yeah, it will be good. I'm excited for this weekend, definitely. I think uh, we can put in a good performance against Canberra, Like considering the weeks that we've been building up to to this week. I think, yeah, we're looking to like really be competitive and hopefully get a good result. Yeah, I mean, looking at their results, they've had two draws uh, from two games so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they get to have a win as well. Uh, and you come up against uh, an old teammate in Grace Jale as well. Yeah, you know, Grace is a great player. But I think, you know, I back our centre-backs and our defence to know how she plays because they've been in Ferns camps with her and things like that. So, yeah, it'll be great to see her um, off the field. But on the field, you know, it's all business. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I guess uh, on the other uh, on the other side of things, from our, our side of things, uh, having Paige in the team, I mean, she knows what Canberra is about. She was only there only three seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. Paige will be great for us this, this week as well in terms of, like, giving us a little bit of insight and things that we might not have thought about. Um, I'm sure she's talking to Nat about that, but yeah, it's great having Paige and her experience with us as well. Speaking of experience, Betsy Hassett, uh, mm-hmm. how much of a difference has she made? It, it feels like watch, what I've, I've seen watching the, the team play kind of freed you up a lot um, to, to play uh, a, a more expansive game, able to get forward a little bit more because, you know, you know that Betsy's there sort of anchoring that midfield and, and protecting the defence. A hundred percent. And I think just as weeks go by, we're just getting more and more used to each other, more and more comfortable, and we're building a really good partnership in there. So it's just been amazing to learn from her and watch her and play alongside her. Um, And yeah, she's just added a whole lot of, a lot of creativity and experience and composure to our midfield. Definitely. 
from the point of view of Gemma, you know, versus Nat in terms of uh, the coaching, uh, how mm-hmm. how have things differed this year, if at all, uh, in terms of setup and approach? Yeah, I think um, this year, I think Nat is definitely trying to build off of what Gemma started last year. Um, so, like, we keep the pressing, we keep that, you know, like, kind of intense, like, pressing mindset to win the ball back that Gemma started with. And then Nat is now trying to build something else and take a step forward in terms of possession-based and, um, you know, attacking football, which has been great. And I totally buy into the vision she has for us. And I think it will all click at some point. We're slowly getting there every week. And what about Callum? What's Callum brought? I mean, he's a guy that uh, obviously knows the the Phoenix, but he's also gone and experienced Sunderland, you know, and, and, and worked at a top club like that over in the UK. Yeah. So what's he brought in? Yeah, he's just a total professional. Like he just um, keeps the standard of training high. All the drills is really high, really professionally run. I think him and Nat work so well together in that sense. And yeah, he's just he's just a good guy. Like he, you can tell he really cares about the team and each individual player and getting the best out of everyone. Um, so yeah, he's just definitely raised the standard for everybody. Now, you guys have uh, conceded late goals in your first two games, certainly tightened up in the in the last game against Victory. Uh, mm-hmm. What have been the work-ons at training? Um, is, is it an on-the-pitch thing? Is it an off-the-pitch thing? Is it a mental thing? You know, because obviously those first two games, one all going into the last 20 minutes and you mm-hmm. concede. Um, how have you guys tried to rectify that? Yeah, definitely a bit of like both, definitely. Like in terms of um, like on the field, we have been talking a lot about defensive transition and our shape in the transition. And we worked a lot on that last week. And I think that definitely showed in the game against um, victory. And then also the mentality piece, because obviously if you're letting four goals in in 10 minutes, something to do with the mentality and um, how we bounce back from that. So I think we, we really spoke about having a full 90 minute performance where we're switched on, we're doing the right things and, we don't let, you know, one goal get, go in and then everything crumble after that. So, yeah, definitely we just spoke about mentality and I think we did, we went through the 90 minutes, you know, pretty strong in defence, which was a big improvement from the the first two games. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you def- definitely saw it. Well, I hope to see that progress again uh, this yeah. week. Uh, in terms of the level this season, it feels like it's taken a step up, and I don't know if that's because we've got more players coming here to be noticed by Australian coaches or New Zealand coaches or what it is, mm-hmm. but does it feel more competitive and maybe like the the, the level's gone up a, a level this season for you? A hundred percent. You know, like I show up to training and, you know, if I don't perform well for a few, a few days or a week or something, my spot's up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely feels like we have to be, showing up ready to perform and ready to keep our spot or win a spot back because there's someone there waiting to take take the spot, um, which we didn't have last season. We didn't have as much depth. But I think it's just great for trainings because every training's competitive and we're constantly pushing each other for, for minutes and for time. Chloe, the uh, World Cup, Women's World Cup is coming here obviously next year. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've, you know, the spotlight is going to be on football. How do you think that has um, had a knock-on effect with the Phoenix this season? Or do you think it's something you might notice more next season? Yeah, I think, like, obviously having some ferns come back into the team to be close to home before the World Cup has been huge for us. That's already changed our team. And then just the support and the 
energy around women's football and the build-up to the World Cup has just been amazing. Like it just feels like it's growing and growing. So, yeah, it's great to be a part of that. You've been here um, and and part of the Phoenix for the first two seasons, so this season and, and uh, oh, sorry, last season, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. But what about your international um, uh, representation? What do you want to do? I mean, how is your availability at the moment? And is the Fern something that you would consider? Yeah, so I'm not eligible until 2024, um, just because I've been overseas in America and England. But, you know, it's always been on my radar. I've always wanted to wear that fern um, from day one, from like as soon as I started, you know, kind of getting into representative level. So I want to be there. Um, And 2024, that's my goal is to um, make the ferns team so I'm working towards that and I think I'm just in a great place to get there so just going to do my best with the phoenix and hopefully had to have a couple strong seasons here where yeah. do you yeah where do you think your best position is because I you know we've seen you in, in several positions I mean I think last season there was a couple of uh times where you uh, as a matter of course because you know of numbers that you ended up playing as a false nine but where do you mm-hmm. see your best position um I just love to be on the ball so I think like any position that I'm getting on the ball heaps and obviously midfielders, they're the link between attack and defense. And I think that's where I love playing. I, um, I think I am the most comfortable and mo- most myself there. So yeah, I think I'll obviously do whatever I can for the team and be wherever I need to go. But yeah, definitely midfield, I think for me. Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is there any player that growing up that you sort of, I don't know if you modeled your game on, but you know, you sort of watched a lot and, and you thought that's kind of what I want to do and who I want to be. Yeah. In terms of like, like for, from the men's side, I think Paul Scholes for sure. I'm a big Man U fan. So um, Paul Scholes and then at the moment, De Bruyne, I think is incredible. So I watch him a lot. Um, but like in the women's game, like Annalie Longo's unreal. Like she's mm. so good. So definitely watched her a lot growing up. So yeah, there's a few good role models there. All action midfielders, although Scolzi could uh, do with improving on his tackle, couldn't he? He <laughs> could, he could, yeah. Not the yeah. best at tackling, but yeah, he's he was unreal. Pinpoint accuracy, yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. I don't know if you've seen it. There's a there's a sh- uh, a video, short video of him being interviewed on in a park somewhere in the UK. It might have been during the Euros at some point, and. Yeah. That he's trying to do this interview, and there's a couple of really rowdy Italian fans sort of walking around the, the perimeter of, of the, of, and he just pings this ball about fifty yards and hits one of them in the side of the head. It's just superb, unbelievable. I know he. I mean, so many good midfielders have named him as the number one. So yeah, he yeah. he just creates space. He's so aware. Yeah, definitely a good person that I watch a lot of YouTube videos of. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there was a, I saw a video of him like uh, post-retirement, uh, the second retirement, playing mm-hmm. five-a-side for somebody and 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 pinging one from his own half over the keeper's mm-hmm. head, you know, it was just yeah. uh, unbelievable. Uh, and a lot yeah. of the those Barcelona guys as well that obviously get lauded for being one of the greatest mid- modern midfields, they all talk about skulls. They do. They all talk about skulls. They all they all say, you know, like ask skulls what it's like to be the best best midfielder in the world. So, you know, yeah, I think he's just a great, great midfielder. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. What, uh, Widen United for you? Is that where you you were born? Where you grew up? I was born in Bolton, um, but my dad's from Manchester. So he, yeah, he was just a Man U fan through and through his whole family. So I kind of didn't have an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why it's, it's not a bad one to have inherited. Yeah. Um, is, is Skulls your all-time favourite United player? 
I think so. Um, Skulls, yeah, because he was more my time. And then, like, obviously, Georgie Best. I, I still watch videos of him. He's unreal. Um, yeah, David Beckham, I love him too. Um, so, yeah, I like the number seven. Yeah, nice. <laughs> All right, Chloe. We might ask you a couple of questions to get to know you a little bit better before we finish here, mate. Yeah. Given that you were born and bred in Bolton uh, and yeah. you're, a, you're a United fan, but you're out here now and you want to be wearing that uh, that Football Ferns jersey in, in 2024, as you said, <laughs> um, if you've got a night off and you don't have training the next day or a game that weekend, you're allowed a yeah. cheat night. What's your what's your go-to? What are you doing as in terms of a, a cheat meal? Oh, cheat meal. I think my perfect evening would be Fish and chips on the beach, watching the sunset, and maybe even like like a sunset swim in the sea um, in summer. Yeah, I yeah. love fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> fish, you can't beat it. Can't beat it. Yeah. Uh, who does better fish and chips? Because I, I know that Blackpool's pretty famous for their fish and chips. So is it better here or is it better in the UK? Oh, like I think the fish is fresher here in New Zealand, but then mm-hmm. in England you've got like your gravy, your curry sauce, mushy peas. They don't mm-hmm. do mushy peas here. No. So yes, yeah, it's, it's toss up. I it's think I'd have to go with the mushy pea one though, and the gravy. <laughs> What's on the telly at night when you're chilling out? Have you got a, a go-to movie or, or TV show? Oh, it's always footballs on. <laughs> <laughs> the most famous person you've met. I mean, you've talked about Scalzi and you've talked about a few of those, but who's the most famous person you've met? Well, like, does this count? So we were watching a Man U game, and Beckham comes over to take a throw in, and my dad screams like. David, I love you, like loud as he possibly could. And David Beckham turns around, looks at us, and like gives us a little smile. I feel like that counts. That counts. You made a connection. You made a connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. And your dad's yeah. turning for David Beckham, is he? <laughs> it was in a woman's voice, too. Like he really went for it. <laughs> oh, your dad sounds like a crack up, mate. Hey, Chloe, <laughs> just before we let you go, lastly, uh, I was talking to Brenton, the media manager. He said that uh, uh, your nose is fine, but your eyes have got some permanent eyeshadow at the moment. How, how, are, you, how are you healing up? Yeah, I just look really tired. Like, looks like I've got big bags under my eyes. But nah, it's fine. No issues. No issues with training. No issues in the game. So I'm just lucky I can still kick a ball and play fine. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. Uh, best of luck yeah. on the travels to Canberra, mate. Hopefully you can bring three points home and uh, yeah. you heal up nicely and uh, we continue on and, and up the table, eh? Yeah, exactly. That's the plan. This has been Phoenix Nation. Thanks to Oppo. Of course, uh, big games coming up this weekend for both the men's and the women's teams. Uh, the women are in action in Canberra on Saturday at 5 o'clock, the first game of the round. And some big favourites uh, in Canberra at $1.28. They haven't won this season, though. So the Phoenix at $7.50, the draw at $5, some value there. We will be back for you next week, Thursday, 3 o'clock. That is the time for Phoenix Nation with Oppo here on SENZ.